Okay, praise the Lord. And I want to continue in my series. And do you remember what I was speaking on the last couple of weeks? And I think the Bible is full of glory and full of grace and always things to be learned from and built up in our spiritual walk. Christ in the book of Acts. Hallelujah. And where do we turn to this morning then? Of course, to the book of Acts. And let's read the scripture from Acts chapter 9, the verses 23 to 31, and Galatians chapter 1, 18. <clears throat> okay. Acts chapter 9, 23 to 31. When many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. But their plots became known to Saul. They were also watching the gates day and night so that they might put him to death. But the disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a large basket. When he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with his disciples, but they were all afraid of him and believing that he, not believing that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and, and described, described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and he had talked to him and how he was in Damascus, he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. And he was with them moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. And he was talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews, but they were attempting to put him to death. But when the brethren learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, where he actually came from. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going in, going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It continued to increase. That means the church continued to increase and got bigger. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we bless your wonderful name, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we can come before you boldly. And I thank you for your word this morning also. I pray, Lord Jesus, shed light upon this word. And I pray, give me grace to speak your word. Give grace to listen to your word. And also give grace to act upon your word in the wonderful and precious name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. And amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now the Jews in Damascus got furious because they plotted something against Saul to kill him. And the city gates were shut and at night as well also being watched 
and day and night, so they wanted to keep him in and catch Saul. Now Saul went to Damascus with power and authority. Interesting. And now look how he is leaving Damascus. He is leaving through a hole in the wall and sitting in a big basket and let him down. Where was all the strength and all the power and all the authority he had? He had no authority anymore because he met Jesus. Hallelujah. He was now one of them, one of the disciples. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? When you meet Jesus, you get a big and wonderful family. And we are in the family of God. You remember our camps when we had them in the past? And there was one song. I'm so glad I'm a part of what? The family of God. Hallelujah. And we are here together as a family God again. Now Saul, he was not as yet Paul. We always think big about Paul. Of course, he was a wonderful teacher. But he had to learn the gospel. He had to learn the simple way in the church of Jesus Christ. He was, of course, educated in the law. He was educated by the best professor then known, Gamaliel. And he heard all the things of the law. And he understood everything. And that's why when he teaches he can teach so clearly. He was educated. Now all this fell away. He now had to start in a certain way as a simple, simple then, disciple. After Paul came back from Arabia, and we know he was there, he went to Jerusalem. And we see his soul under death threat. He was the one who caused Stephen to die and to give his life for Jesus. And he was the one who hardly, hardly in the way, with all of his heart, approved that the death of Stephen. God humbled him. And you know, when God humbles somebody, that's wonderful. And God wanted to use him. And I tell you what, if God wants to use anyone, the first thing God might do is this, he humbles us. That's so important. Um, Saul was humbled. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, he speaks about his situation. And he says that a Satan of, of a, or an angel of Satan is always coming and afflicting something on his body. And I've prayed many times about it, but the Lord has given me a word. My grace is sufficient for you. Hallelujah. And he continues here in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And he has said to me, My grace is sufficient to you, for power is perfected in weakness most greatly. Therefore I will rather boast about my weakness, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. He said, when I'm weak, I am strong. And that's because 
all his personal strength is gone away. The strength of God, the power of God was flowing through him. Hallelujah. And he said very clearly, the power is perfected in our weakness. Hallelujah. If you feel weak, God can strengthen you and God can do something through you. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of Jesus. There was a time, I remember, I'm a few years in the ministry, and I went through all these different uh, times, you know, in ministry and influences into the church and coming from America, new teachings and stuff like that. You know, all that stuff that came also to Germany. And there was somebody said, well, if you want to become a great preacher, you must associate with preachers who are well-known. And I said, oh, Lord, I want to associate with you. Hallelujah. He is the greatest preacher. Amen. Hallelujah. God can use us only if he has humbled us. Now, what is actually humility? Humility is not something that I say, well, I'm nothing, I'm nothing, I'm nothing, and we are going around with our head hanging a little bit to that side, the next Sunday to this side. No, no, no. Humility is something different. It's the right attitude in our heart which sees ourselves as God sees us. And that's important. That's why the Bible says we should not think we are higher than anyone. We should esteem our brothers higher than ourselves. And that's humility. There was a man in Judges, his name was Gideon. And he was pretty down because the Midianites came and destroyed the harvest, similar to that what the Amas is doing now with Israel. You've heard about it, yes? Because now it's harvest time in Israel. And they're shooting fiery darts into the fields. Of course, it burns down. And that's what the Medians did then in a time when Gideon was around. And he had a little bit of his harvest there, and he was threshing it in the kelter. And the Lord spoke to him, and the Lord said in Judges chapter 2, verse 12, the Lord, the angel of the Lord came, appeared to him, and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. I tell you what, if God calls you a valiant warrior, you are one, amen? And if the Lord tells you you're nothing without me, then you are nothing, amen? Hallelujah. And you know that from Luther, and Luther said God can only use you if you have become a nothing. If you're something, God can't use it because because God is used to do something out of nothing. How did God create all the earth? Were there any elements there already? No. There was nothing. Nothing. And you know what nothing means? 0, 0.00 and many zeros behind. There is nothing. Hallelujah. 
our soul that the power of God can flow through our nothing. And God is used to do something from nothing. Hallelujah. And hasn't God done a good, marvelous job? Look at the earth, the world, and everything God created. Hallelujah. And if you travel the world, I haven't traveled the world as yet, but some are traveling the world and they see all the wonderful things of the world. God has done it. Now, if the Lord calls us a valiant warrior, then we are one. Hallelujah. Don't say, no, 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 but not me. Is God right or wrong? God is right in every way. When he says you are a valiant warrior, then you are. And Gideon had to understand this. God humbled Saul also. But we also must humble ourselves. And Peter said it very clearly. Therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at a proper time. God not only humbled Saul, but God exalted Saul also. Did you know that? That highly exalted as Saul was, or Paul that later on. I never had been exalted. Anybody here who had been exalted up to the third heaven, show me your hand. But Paul was. He was exalted and God lifted up into the third heaven. And he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 2 and 4, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body or out, or I don't know, or out of the body, I do not know. God knows such a man was caught up to the third heaven. We haven't been caught up to the third heaven, I said, have we? But he was caught up into the third heaven and listened what he experienced there and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. That will happen. That will be heaven. Hallelujah. There are words we will speak out. We are not now permitted to speak out. What glorious words that will be. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What glorious words. And it will be that we will speak out these words to glorify God. Now we have so many languages in this earth. I don't know how many, but it goes in the thousands and thousands and dialects and so on. I like to study these things a little bit. I've got a book, and it's called The, At the Atlas of Languages. And I discovered something. And it's this. Did you know that English is actually a Germanic language? Did you know that? English is a Germanic language. And that's why there are similarities so much 
in the old English. Let's say there's no problem for me to read the old English and understand it. I do understand it. Especially the King James Version from 1633, was it? Yes? Yes? I can read it. I can understand it. There's so much similarity with German in that English. Hallelujah. That's good. Now, we have no authority to humble anyone. If you see a brother or sister and you think he or she might a little bit stuck up, get your hands away. God is in the business of humbling. Not you, not me, even pastors are not allowed to humble anyone. We must humble ourselves. We have been called to build up. Hallelujah. And that's what the Apostle Paul says very clearly. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, I like this word, hallelujah. Brethren, even if someone is called in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness. Each one looking towards that you too may not be tempted. So if somebody is being tempted in sin, we don't put him down. What do we do? We lift him up in a gentle spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I learned something from the Bible about elders. Hallelujah. There was John the Revelator. He was crying because there was a book sealed or rolls sealed with seven seals inside and outside. And nobody in all of heaven was able to open the scroll and look into it. And John cried. And one of the elders came laid his hand on him and said, do not cry. Do not cry. He laid his hand on him. Do not cry. Hallelujah. If there's a brother or sister falling in sin, lay your hands on him and say, do not cry. And what did the elder do here in Revelation? He said, the Lion of Judah has overcome. He is worthy. Hallelujah. Point anyone who fell into sin and feels so down. Lay your hands on him and say, Behold, the Lamb of Calvary has overcome. And all your sins, everything you've done, have been covered and washed away by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 If you know somebody who is suffering, do it. My brother, my sister, behold, the line of Judah 
is worthy to take the book and break its seals. He is worthy. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That was in the beginning, in the beginning of my ministry. I learned it. And I was looking for elders. And some elders always had the idea, we are policemen in the church. The church is not a police state. Amen? The church is the body of Christ. And we have got one, and it is Jesus. He is on the top, and he sees everything. He sees the weak one. He sees the one who is sinning. He, is, he sees the one who fell last week, whatever it might have been into. And he says, Behold, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. We do love you here in the church. Amen. Hallelujah. And if you don't feel love, come to me. I give you a hug and tell you I do love you. Hallelujah. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't it wonderful? Now, when Saul came to Jerusalem, unfortunately, he was not ushered in on a red carpet before Peter. No, he came to Jerusalem and everybody stood away. There was a cool reception. A church that has cool receptions is not worthy to be called the church of Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? That's right. We should have open arms. If a sinner is coming and comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, that's my greatest joy to lead him or her to Jesus, to lay my hand on this person and say, Jesus has paid it all. Everything, there's nothing to be paid anymore. You are welcome in the house of God. You are welcome in the family of God. Now the disciples then were very skeptical towards Saul. They were very skeptical. And we can read it in Acts 9.26. When he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. Well, if you are a disciple, show me. Show it. How can you show it? The only thing, and the Bible gave us a wonderful, wonderful example. And it's in 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. Who knows that scripture by heart? 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life because of what? We're now wearing a, a tie on Sunday to, to church. No. Why? Because we do what? 
We do love the brethren. Hallelujah. If you don't love the brethren, according to John, you are not born again. You are still in death. But if you're born again by the Holy Spirit, you love the brethren. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of Jesus. That's why we like to come together on Sunday to church or to prayer meeting. Isn't it right? Who is glad that he's here this morning? I. Hallelujah. I'm glad to be here. And it's so wonderful to have you all here because I love you and to look into your faces and smile at me. It does me good. Hallelujah. There's a wonderful place in the house of God. Anybody heard about the Jesus People Movement? Lift up your hand. There are just a few. Yes. Did you know that Jesus People Movement had it very hard in the beginning to be accepted by the existing churches then? There was only one man in America, perhaps a few others, but one man, he stuck out. There was Chuck Smith. Anybody heard about Chuck Smith? Yes? I was in his church in 82 with a group of pastors from Germany. We did a study tour. We thought in America everything is wonderful. There are huge churches, up to thousands, and they have to have three, four services on a day. They're huge. And we German little preachers, we thought, perhaps you might have to learn something. Do we do something wrong in Germany? Then you can learn from, from America. All the great preachers come from America, don't they? And so we went and, and looked there. And we came also to Anaheim at the church from Chuck Smith. And we were interested, how is he holding thousands of people every Sunday morning in his services? We thought, well, he might have a wonderful revelation and a preaching gift. He could preach and preach, and people were just fascinated by what he was preaching. And we asked him, we had a session with him in his, in his auditorium, and we asked him, what do you do? How can you keep always the, the people every Sunday morning, thousands occupied? Guess what he said? Just by teaching the word of God, verse by verse. Hallelujah. No fancy themes, but just the word of God. And the word of God banned these thousands and thousands, ex-hippies. They came and wanted to hear more and more and more. Hallelujah. Yes, uh, my first Bible that uh, wore out here in Australia was a Bible I bought there in Anaheim, California. It wore out, so I've got another one. Now, Anybody knows that film or that movie from David Wilkerson, 
the cross and the switchblade. I know it. Anybody seen it? Oh, yes, you, you must see it. And it speaks about what David Wilkerson did in New York. There in the slams, how he, slams, how he preached the word of God. And after being for a while there and looking uh, into all the bands, there were two major uh, gangs, not bands, gangs. And there was the Mau Mau's and the bishops. And he had an idea. And these two gangs were against each other. They fought each other. And he brought them together in a gospel rally in a pretty good and big auditorium. And a few Christians, older Christians, went there as well. The auditorium was pretty big. And there were he and there dispersed, you know, in the back especially. And they were seeing all these gangs coming in, you know. The Maumaus and the bishops, they came in with their jackets. And on their jackets was written Maumau or bishop, whatever they were then. And David Wilkerson, he preached a very simple a very good gospel message. Hallelujah. And all these Christians were looking pretty skeptical. Similar to Saul when he came to Jerusalem. He, is he a Christian now? A few years ago, he was on the board to condemn Stephen. Is he? Praise the Lord. There was one man. One man. He loved this young guy who came to the Lord back to the Mau Maus and to the bishops. After David Wilkinson preached a wonderful, simple gospel message. And David had the guts Sometimes you have to dare something whether you feel good in your heart or not. He wanted to take up an offering. Guess who he took for the taking up of the offerings? He took the leaders of the gang. One from the Mau Maus and one from the bishops. He asked them to come. He gave them the offering bag and then they went around and some Christians were perhaps not prepared for giving an offering and so they went around and came also to some Christians they didn't have anything there and they held it in front of them <laughs> and did so well put something in now put it you know how embarrassing it was for the Christian coming to church without money? So, and then at the end, it was all collected. Christians were so skeptical, but many came to the Lord. Hallelujah. And a great work of God came into existence 
through a man who was humble, who had faith, who trusted, and he didn't expect that he or they were phony. And this trust of David Wilkerson overcame many, many gang people. Hallelujah. Now here was Saul in Jerusalem. Everybody said, well, not quite sure. Not quite sure. But there was one guy and his name was Joseph. Have you heard of Joseph? Of supreme birth? He was also called son of encouragement. And then his Aramaic name, Barnabas, came out. He was Barnabas. Somehow Barnabas had a heart for this new Christian. Hallelujah. And he took him under his wing. And we read here in Acts. Chapter 34, Acts 4, chapter, no, verse 36 and 37. Now Joseph, a Levite of supreme birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles. The apostles saw something in this young man. They saw a character in him. In, in him. And they called him Barnabas, son of comfort. And who owed a tract of land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the feet of the apostles. You know what I see here? He was a man who gave everything. He didn't hold anything back. He gave everything. And he was a good listener. Sometimes as preachers it's good to preach and sometimes it's good to listen. I had to learn this. I had to learn this when I was in Ostfriesland close to the Dutch border where I was and it was expected of me as a young pastor to visit the elderly people the sick ones in the church. That was my task. And then also, I had to do the youth meetings and youth uh, coming together. I was very, very young then. I think 23 years of age. Pardon? 22, my wife knows better than I do. At 22... Yes, and then I had to visit all the people who were lonely in the church, and mainly the elderly people. And when I got there, so I greeted them and then had a sit on a chair next to a table, and then they got the 
tea out. In Ostfriesland, you are drinking a different tea. That's a cup of tea. Or we call it in Ostfriesisch Kopkete. And that is with, with uh, rock sugar in the tea. Yeah, little cups like this only. And they put something in. And then they started to, uh, to tell what they have experienced with the Lord. And I had to listen. And listen. And listen. And they were so glad there was finally somebody who could listen and was not talking all the time. You don't talk to people if you therefore visit and always talk into them. Sometimes it's good for us pastors to learn to listen because Barnabas, he was someone who could listen because he was able to tell everything to the apostles what he had heard of Saul. Everything that he has seen the Lord, that he has heard the Lord, and that he has spoken to the Lord. Now, after a while of listening, of course I said also some words, but I didn't have a sermon prepared for these elderly people. You don't preach to one only. And then, I took my Bible. We read a scripture together, prayed, and then I said, goodbye, God bless you. Have a wonderful day. But these people, they were so blessed. <coughs> and in Ostfriesisch, they would have said, oh, that was moi. Do you understand it, Brother Eddie? Moi, what does it mean? Nice, moi. Oh, that was moi. So, I haven't said much. I just was sitting there listening. Listening. And so, Barnabas was a good listener. He said everything what Saul told him. He told it to the apostles. Now, we have read in Galatians 1.18, then three years later, I went up to Jerusalem to be acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him for 15 days. So, he wanted to see Cephas, and we know who Cephas was. Cephas was Peter. I wanted to be with Peter, and Peter invited him and said, Saul, come in. Stay with us for two weeks, 15 days. Now, what would they have done in these 14 days? Anybody an idea? They would have done something. Okay, perhaps on day one, they took a trip to Gethsemane. Peter could have said, Paul or Saul, come on. Let's go to Gethsemane. John, James, and I, we were very close to the Lord. And we came there 
into the garden of Gethsemane. It was evening. And then he said, stay here. And he went a stone throw further from us. But we still could listen and hear what he was saying and praying. He was praying. And he was supplicating to God. You should have heard the words he spoke out. And he was praying. He was under such a burden. And being in agony, his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. I can still hear, not my will, but thy will be done, Father. There was the prayer of Jesus here. We all got tired and fell asleep. Me too. And then Jesus came and said, Why are you sleeping? Get up and pray that you may not enter into what? Temptation. Paul, listen to this. Perhaps Paul was not interested in any great theological scene. He wanted to get to know more about Jesus. What are you here this morning for? I want to know more about Jesus. And you know, Saul or Paul, he might have been Paul by then, I don't know. While Jesus was speaking, a crowd with lanterns, clubs and swords came. In front of that group was Judas. And he walked, walked straight to Jesus. He gave Jesus a kiss. And Jesus said, with a kiss, you are betraying the Son of Man. And all the others came, took over, and took Jesus and led him away. On day two, they had another trip. And Peter said, So let's go to the high priest's house. When we came in that night, we followed Jesus. And we came into the courtyard. And it was a cold night. They put a fire on. And we were all sitting around the fire. I was there. And all of a sudden, a slave girl, a servant girl, passed by, pointed at me and said, You have been with him too. And guess what I said? I denied Jesus. I said, woman, I don't know him. I denied him. After a little while, while we were sitting still around the fire there, a man said to me, you are one of them too. And I denied Jesus getting I was saying, man, I am not. 
One hour passed by. We were still sitting at the fire. And a man came and said, You also have been with this Jesus. And he said, He was a, he is a Galilean as Jesus too. And then the rooster crowed. Jesus looked at me. My head fell down. I was so crushed down. Then I remember the word when the crow or when the rooster is crowing, you will have denied me three times. So I denied Jesus. How sorry I was then. I went out, looked for a little place to cry my heart out. I cried bitterly, bitterly, bitterly. The next day, they went and had a day trip. And Peter might have said, Let's go to Calvary. Paul, when Jesus approached Golgotha with a cross on his shoulder, there on this hill were already three holes dug into the ground. They took the cross off his back, laid it down on the ground, and laid Jesus with a back onto the cross. Then he nailed his hands where, which were spread apart onto the cross at his feet. So I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. And then a few soldiers came and lifted up the cross with Jesus on the cross. And they thumped it into the hole. When they thumped it in the hole, into the hole, the body of Jesus jerked for pain. Then the people who were around there just looking at Jesus and all the two who was crucified or were crucified on the left and right side. I observed Jesus with every breath he took. He was mourning because it hurt him so much. He hardly could breathe. And all these people were mocking at Jesus, were cursing at him. And then all of a sudden, there was a darkness coming upon the whole earth. My eyes were still fixed on Jesus. And then, with a mighty shout, Jesus cried out, It is finished! It is finished! 
Hallelujah. Then all of a sudden, Saul, light fell into my darkened soul. All the darkness and what I experienced the night before came out. It was light in my soul. Paul's salvation for all nations and all generations had been accomplished in this very moment. Hallelujah. It is finished. Hallelujah. It is finished. No one other than Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but for us who are being saved. It's the power of God. Hallelujah. Perhaps this might have been a powerful demonstration of the power of the cross. For all generations and all nations, the gospel has been established on the cross. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! What do you say? Anybody could say hallelujah? Hallelujah! Louder! Hallelujah! The cross, the center point of our salvation. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you. You're so good, Lord. Lord, many times we have denied you. Many times, Lord, we were, we were chicken to stand up for you. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, bless each and every one that this word of the cross might be in our heart always, always, always. Amen. Hallelujah.